Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's Let's start start with with Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. I'm Sandra Champlain. For over 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Let's imagine in the unseen world around each one of us, we have a team of loved ones that are cheering us on in life. But not only that, what if we had guardian angels? A lot has been said with people who have had near-death experiences, yet they do get to see their loved ones. But there are cases where people talk about guardian angels. What if each one of us has a soul guardian angel that walks by our side, that is helping us along in our journey? I do want to talk about that today and, of course, share some stories. But not only that, there's a brand new study that comes from the New York University Grossman School of Medicine that just came out in the New York Post by Mark Lalanilla. He says, there is life after death. Revived patients share out-of-body experiences. I remember seeing my dad, said one patient after flatlining. I caught glimpses of my life and I felt pride, love, joy all pouring into me. I remember a being of light standing near me 
It was looming over me like a great tower of strength, yet radiating only warmth and love. These and many other recollections were described by cardiac arrest patients who underwent cardiopulmonary resuscitation as they hovered on death's doorstep. Typically, doctors have assumed that there is little to no brain activity after about 10 minutes of cardiac arrest when the heart stops beating, depriving the brain of oxygen. However, the new research from New York University turns that misconception on its head. There are signs and near-normal brain activity found up to an hour into resuscitation. Dr. Sam Parnia, an associate professor of medicine at New York University Langone Health, told the Post in an interview, I was shown the consequences of my life Thousands of people that I had interacted with and felt what they felt about me saw their life and how I impacted them. Next, I saw the consequences of my life and the influences of my actions, said one revived patient. We were not only able to show the markers of lucid consciousness, we were also able to show that these experiences are unique and universal. They're much different from dreams, illusions, and delusions. Sam Parnia is lead author of a study published this week in the journal Resuscitation that studied brain activity and awareness among 53 patients who survived cardiac arrest at 25 hospitals, mostly in the U.S. and the U.K. The researchers were able to show that most of the brain is surprisingly more durable than most doctors had previously believed. Our brain is very robust and is more resilient to oxygen deprivation than expected, said Dr. Parnia, adding that the organ can restore itself and have markers of normal brain activity. Of the 53 surviving patients in the study, almost 40% reported having memories or conscious thoughts. There is a narrative arc in people who are having a near-death experience, Parnia said. Their consciousness becomes heightened, more vivid, and more sharp. One of the most common shared experiences is a 360-degree awareness of the space around them. In death, they have a perception that they are separate from their body, and then they can move around. But they're in that hospital room, and they're gathering information. They feel that they were fully conscious. In that state of awareness, they're often observing doctors and nurses working to save their lives. But their observation is completely free of fear or distress. And yes, many people actually do see their lives pass before their eyes. What becomes a primary reality is how we treat other people. It's not random flashbacks. It's so much more. Science doesn't yet fully understand how or why these common experiences occur, but Dr. Parnia believes the brain's normal operating focus, which gets us through the day, becomes relaxed and disinhibited during near-death experiences. Normally, there are braking systems that keep us from accessing all aspects of our brain, but as the brain shuts down, As a defense mechanism to preserve itself during cardiac arrest, the brakes are off. 
That's when people get activation of other parts of the brain that have been dormant. You normally can't access all of your emotions, feelings, thoughts, and memories. These are definitely not hallucinations, he says. These are very real experiences that occur in death. The research being conducted at New York University, Langone Health, and other research centers represents a breakthrough in resuscitation, a specialty that has lagged behind all other areas of medical research. Resuscitation survival rates are frustratingly low, Parnia explained. Our survival rate is not very good, in part because technologies haven't advanced much since 1960 when CPR was invented. Well, even without resuscitation, we get to know it's not a deathbed myth. Our lives really do flash before our eyes when we die, and there is life after death. Now, here's a story by a teenager named Crystal. Birthday party, and we went swimming, and I went down to the deep end of the swimming pool, and I got pushed in. I started struggling. I panicked. I needed to get back up to the top of the water. I needed to get air. When I realized that I couldn't get to the top of the water, I felt unconscious. And from there, I was surrounded in blackness. I didn't know where I was, and I was really scared. And from there, I heard six noises that really scared me, and I wasn't sure what it was. And then suddenly, I was sitting against a wall. I was in a tunnel, and at the end of the tunnel, I could see this bright, radiant light, and the tunnel was filled with brightly colored bricks. I didn't know what it was, but I was very curious, and right then, I was overcome with so much love and so much happiness and joy that I wanted to stay there. I started crawling toward the light, and the reason I started crawling toward the light was I tried to stand up and walk, but I couldn't walk. It was The ground was unstable. It was bumpy. And so I started crawling. I looked toward the light, and I see this lady coming out of the light, and I just stopped where I was and just watched her come. And she came to me, and she picked up my hand and stood me up and said, My name is Elizabeth. I am your guardian angel, and I will help you. And from there, she led me down through the light to what I believe was heaven. And from right there, I was greeted by my deceased relatives who had died before I had went in the swimming pool. And they gave me hugs, patted me on the back, said, we're really glad you're here, Crystal. We're really glad you made it. Did you feel like you were dead then? Oh, no, I wasn't dead. I wasn't dead at all. I didn't even think of being dead. You're still alive. Then I didn't even know I'd been in a swimming pool. I was just overwhelmed by everything, by light, by just so everything what that was back? happening What to brought me. you back? Okay. From there, I met two friends, Heather and Melissa. They basically helped me. They told me that they were going to be born soon. They were going to be born? Yeah, they were going to be born. Did they have bodies or what? They were the same as you and me. Oh. Did you have a body? As far as well, you knew? Yeah, as far as I knew, I, I was... You, you me. were me. Yeah. You were you. Oh, that's right. You weren't me. <laughs> <laughs> as far as you knew. Yeah. So these people told you they were going to be born. Yes, they did. And they said they were to be born soon. And that's what Elizabeth told me, my guardian angel, too. She told me this is the last chance I have to be a guardian angel before I'm born. Elizabeth was a guardian angel before she was born. No, this is the last time she would have to be a guardian angel before she was born. Then she was going to get born. Yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> and anyway, I went and I talked some more, and Elizabeth came and asked me. She asked me, Crystal, do you want to stay here or do you want to go back? I thought for a minute, I thought how beautiful this place was because it was all in white. Everything was a glorious white. And they had lots of beautiful plants and flowers and a stream running through it with a tree on the other side. It was really great. And I thought about all of this and I thought about the love and the peace I felt. And I thought, no, I, did, I don't want to go back there. So I decided, I go, okay, yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay here. And then I started talking with people. And I thought for a minute, I thought about my mother. And I thought, I'll never really get to hug her again or hold her. And I went back to Elizabeth and I said, no, I want to go back. I want to go back. And she said, okay. I went and talked with everybody. And during the experience, I can't remember the sequence of events, but I had a chance to look down at my body on the operating table, and I knew it was myself. And I looked at the things they were doing to me. They were sticking tubes up my nose and through my arm and everything, and I didn't like it. I thought it was gross, so I looked away. So you got back in your body after you decided yeah, you wanted to I see your mother? Yeah, after I decided I wanted to go. I was still in heaven. Elizabeth tapped me on the shoulder and said, it's time to go, Crystal. And I said, okay. I turned around and started walking, and then I was confused. I turned around and said, I don't know how to go. And then, obviously, I was back in my body because that's the last thing I remember. I think we're approaching a real tipping point when science and medicine and people that have had these extraordinary near-death experiences are coming together and putting it all together about what happens in the dying process. The fact that our brains can survive an hour even after our heart stops and that this protective mechanism that we normally have that has us focus on reality disappears and we are somehow connected to all of our memories, being outside of our bodies experiencing guardian angels, experiencing our loved ones. There is more to life than meets the eye. And there's so much more to us than we probably can ever know. We're going to go into the break. And when we get back, we'll hear some more stories of near-death experiences and weave in some stories of angels. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM. Paranormal Podcast Network. Stay right there. There's more Sandra coming right up. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, 
including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take us with you anywhere. This is the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now more Sandra on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. You've felt extreme love for someone, haven't you? Might be a baby, a loved one, perhaps even a special feathered or furried friend. We know what love is, but what if around us there is a special being, a guardian angel that signed up to be with us before we came down to earth and walks by our side while we're here? And of course, we get to see them again when it's time for us to go home. Someone who loves us with no strings attached, unconditional love. They understand that life is an education for the soul. They don't judge you. All there is, is love. Something to think about. I want to continue with a story of a near-death experience Tying it in with an angel, of course. This story comes from William, who says he died in a car wreck and was escorted by an angel to meet with God. He says, let's get into it. January 14th, 2016, I had went to the hospital to visit my sister who had given birth to my nephew. I'm not really into babies, having none of my own, but in my family, if someone gave birth. You showed up and you welcomed the new baby into the world. I always felt it was kind of a stupid tradition. However, I was not able to fight my parents over it. They paid for my college, my car, and my insurance, and I was not about to risk making them angry enough to stop paying for all those things. That's another thing my family was good at. 
ostracizing those family members that they deemed had crossed a line. They could have my entire family treating me like an outsider. So I went to the hospital and made my appearance, making sure I spoke with enough people that could back me up later that I had been there. After about an hour, I left the hospital, got into my Honda Civic, and headed out to meet up with some friends. We were going to hit the clubs and see what kind of fun and trouble we could get ourselves into. I remember hearing the screech of brakes and then nothing for the longest time, followed by an insane ringing in my ears that gradually subsided. I could feel blood trickling down my face and neck as I looked around. I knew I had been hit, but had absolutely no idea what had happened to cause the wreck. I went to reach my hand for the car door to exit my vehicle when I realized that I couldn't use that arm at all, that my shoulder was completely popped from the socket, and now the pain was coming on strong. Using my other arm, I managed to free myself from the seatbelt and then reached across my body and opened the passenger door. Next, I fought back the pain and half crawled, half fell out the door and landed on the cold ground. Using all of my strength I had left, I tried to stand up, but collapsed instead. I'll just lay here, I thought. I had no clue how broken my body actually was at this point. I just knew that I hurt all over and blood kept getting into my eyes. Before I crossed over to the other side, I saw a man walking up to me. He told me not to move, that help was on the way. He may as well have been speaking another language because I was looking at the angel standing behind him. Can you see him? I asked. I don't recall getting a reply. Oh, the man was still beside me and I could see his lips moving, but I couldn't hear a word that he was saying. Then I was standing over myself and over the man that was trying to help me. I saw he had one of those first aid kits, like you might buy online for keeping inside your car, and he was attempting to stop the bleeding with the contents of it. Now I looked at the angel standing next to me and asked him, now what? To which he replied, now we go. The angel and I began to ascend into the sky and towards a tunnel, for lack of a better word. This tunnel was like a vortex from the earth realm to the other side. I wasn't afraid, and I noticed that I was no longer in any pain. I'm not sure if I still had a body or not. It felt like I did, but I never actually saw my body. It was a strange experience, which is probably like calling the grass green or the sky blue. However, it was strange. It's not every day you get to transition from earth to paradise or heaven or whatever you want to call it. Inside the vortex, we traveled at great speeds for some time. I can't say how long because time did not exist once I departed the earthly plane. It's like everything over there happened simultaneously and not on a linear timeline as it is here. In the distance, I saw a speck of light that grew bigger and brighter the closer we got to it. It was not to be our final destination, though. Upon exiting the vortex, 
the angel and I landed softly in the middle of a park. I could now see many people walking around as if they had somewhere to be. They moved with a purpose. Where are we? I asked. Is this heaven? No, the angel replied. You can't enter heaven because you are not dead yet. This is one of the many places we bring souls who will be sent back to earth. If I'm being sent back anyway, why not just leave me there? I asked. I was instructed to bring you here. So here is where you are until I get further instructions, the angel stated. I should also mention that whenever I talk about what the angel and I said to each other, it wasn't with our mouth. It was always in some form of thoughts. We did not actually speak a word out loud. All communication on the other side is in the form of telepathy. It's like thinking a question and immediately hearing the answer in your head. After some time, the angel asked me, While we wait, would you like to take a look around? To which I, of course, replied with, Yes. I was shown many buildings and had their functions explained to me. I saw a great center of knowledge which looked like a huge library. The angel said it was home to all knowledge that ever existed or ever would exist. I asked if I could see inside it, and he gave me a tour. Inside, I saw other people standing in front of screens, which displayed whatever it was that they wanted to learn about. I wanted to try out one of these screens, but the angel told me that it was only allowed for souls that would be staying. And since I would be returning to earth, he could not allow it. I left that building with the secrets to the universe still unanswered. Finally, this angel told me it was time. We had to go see the creator, and he led me into a great room with a bright light in the distance. As we approached the light, I could now tell there was a throne with the creator sitting on it. Angels stood off to the side, singing praises to God. It was the most beautiful music I had ever heard, and we have nothing like it on earth. The angel I was with told me to approach the creator and state my case. My case for what? I asked. Your case for staying here. Every soul always wants to stay. Only he can grant you permission. I had not really thought about it because from the time I was informed that I would be going back until now, I never considered staying as an option. But since it was, I thought, why not? I did my best, or so I thought. Now looking back, I am sure he has probably heard every argument for staying anyone could come up with. My own lame argument was only three words. I told him, I want to. As soon as I said those words, the light from the creator began to radiate towards me, surrounding me. I felt like it was almost scanning me, but for what, I don't know. It felt like he had looked inside my very existence and learned everything about me in just a second. Every mistake, every truth, my every thought and action on full display. It was then that he spoke. His voice was soft yet firm. You still have things you have to accomplish. You must go back. 
I was afraid to ask why, because he was the creator of everything. His will be done. Next, I woke up in the hospital. My injuries included a dislocated shoulder, which I already knew about, but extended to a brain bleed, which caused swelling and resulted in me having to have fluids drained. The paramedics told my parents I seized twice on the way to the hospital. My airbag had not deployed during the wreck, and police on the scene ruled the accident was not my fault. The lady that hit me was drunk and suffered no injuries herself. I asked about the man that had began first aid on me so I could thank him, but the police told me they were the first on the scene and nobody had applied first aid at all until the paramedics arrived. I still have trouble out of my shoulder, especially if I sleep on it funny. Did I have a near-death experience? Did I see that angel and the creator? I'll let you decide. I know what I believe. Stay blessed. Thank you for sharing that story, William. Rhonda has this story. My mother had a near-death experience nine years before she actually died. She flatlined in the emergency room and was put on a respirator for three days. An angel came to get her to take her to heaven, she said. She described the angel exactly as you would imagine. She said it was a very, very tall, magnificent figure with feathers. But she kept telling them, I'm not ready to go with you. She said she even reached out and touched the feathers. She was never afraid of dying from that point forward. She lived nine more years. When she found out she had cancer, she died 10 days later. But she said, I'm not afraid. I have my angels. We'll hear more stories when we get back from the break. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. 
It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. On the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Listen anytime, anyplace. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is George Norrie, and you're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for being here. Now let's get back to more with Sandra. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I have another near-death experience story for you with an angel. This story comes from Stuart. He says, let me preface this by saying that I do not declare myself to be of one religion or another, and I never have. In fact, I have rarely attended church with the exception of when I was in basic training with the U.S. Army. Quite honestly, it was for a completely selfish reason females attended church services, so it was the only time each week I had a chance to see a lady. Like I said, I was selfish, but then again, I was only 18 years old. Around six years ago, I had to visit my doctor for a physical, as my job required one at the time due to insurance reasons. I'm not a fan of doctors at all, and I've always expected the worst whenever I have had to see one. Well, this time, it was the worst. My chest x-rays revealed a large spot on one of my lungs, and a biopsy later revealed it to be cancerous. I'm not sure of what the other stages of bad news are supposed to be, because I immediately skipped straight to anger. You see, I was always a non-smoker, and now I had lung cancer. I think I called God every name in the book. The hospital scheduled my surgery, and the doctors went in to remove the cancer. When I awoke in recovery, 
it was explained to me that they had to take the whole lung. You know, you really don't understand how important breathing is until someone takes away half of your ability to do it. Depression hit me next as I mentally began making a list of things that I would no longer be able to do with my now reduced breathing capacity. I stopped eating and my doctor was so worried he recommended I speak to the hospital chaplain, which I refused to do. Once I was back home, friends and family tried to talk to me and cheer me up. Looking back, I can see now they only wanted what was best for me. But at the time, I was pushing everyone and everything away from me. I was so mad at the world and I wanted the world to know it. I wanted to blame someone. So again, I resorted to blaming a God. After a few weeks of slowly wasting away, I took some medication the doctor had prescribed to help me sleep, and I laid down in my bed. I don't know how long passed before I awoke and got up. Only when I got up, I felt an electric sensation that surprised me. Turning around, I saw that my body was still in bed with my eyes closed. The initial shock probably didn't last long as I quickly became accustomed to being outside of my body. I didn't miss it and I didn't wish to get back into it. I felt as if this is the way I was meant to be, completely unencumbered by a body that could only cause me pain in this plane of existence. I also discovered I was able to think of a place and then suddenly I would just appear there. First, I tried moving through walls and doors. And when that worked, I decided to see what was beyond my ceilings. Was there a limit to how far I could travel? I shot up through my ceiling and into the sky. I started looking around in a 360 degree view. I found out I could see all directions without turning. Then I saw a tunnel appear in the sky and I felt drawn to enter it. I don't even know if I made a conscious decision to enter this tunnel. My being, whatever I was now, spirit, ghost, energy, just entered on its own, and I was soon traversing entire galaxies at an incredible rate of speed until I saw a light in the distance. The only way I can describe this tunnel is if you've ever seen the old TV show called Sliders. It was like that. As I got closer to the light, things began to slow down to a steady but reduced pace until I reached the bright light. The light was very bright, yet I could look directly at it. Kind of like a soft, warm white light. Energy pulsated from the light, but there was more as well. There was a calm, peaceful, loving feeling that is not even describable with any words known to man. This energy and love surrounded me. It entered me. It became me. And I became it. I have never before or since felt anything like this feeling. And I hope everyone gets to experience it one day. While I was co-joined to this light, I began to experience knowledge, for lack of a better word. I just suddenly knew things that I never knew before. The answers to the entire universe 
I felt were at my fingertips for me to peruse at my will. All I had to do was think of a question and I knew the answer faster than anything I have ever experienced. No words were being spoken to me. The answers were just downloaded directly into my understanding, if that makes sense. I don't know how long I searched the knowledge being supplied to me because time just didn't exist there. That can be a hard concept to grasp for us humans. Even now, I have a hard time with it, and I was the one who experienced it firsthand. I do not recall there being a life review for me, nor did I see Jesus or God at any time. What I did experience was exiting the light and being separate from it again and immediately wanting to rejoin the light again. But some force was stopping me. At first, my desire to rejoin the light was so much that I wasn't paying attention to anything else around me. But slowly, I began to look around and to find out what was holding me back from re-entering the light. That is when I saw a being of light that stood at least 10 feet tall. The being began to communicate with me in a nonverbal manner. It was telepathy. It said, it's not your time yet. You must go back. Who are you and why can't I stay? I asked. I am the angel Gabriel and you cannot stay because you are not finished on earth yet. He stated it in a matter-of-fact voice. I don't want to go back. It's too hard there. And I begged him. Gabriel wrapped me in a warm and loving hug, and I felt the same love from the light that was filling me only a short time before. Gabriel next looked at my face, and he said, I know it's hard there, and so does our Lord. And your life on earth is challenging, which is why you were given it. All of the toughest challenges go to the strongest souls. Your soul is stronger than you realize. Gabriel's words were comforting and inspiring to me. If he believed in me, I could believe in me too. Still, I had one final question before agreeing to go back to earth. Can you tell me what my mission on earth is? I asked. Gabriel laughed and answered, I am unaware of what your particular missions are. It could be to save a life or have a child or even have a child that later saves a life. Your life will make a difference in many ways. In time, your purpose will reveal themselves and come to pass when it is their time. Until then, trust that there are no small pieces in the plan for your life. With that, Gabriel returned me to my bedroom and watched as I got back into my body. I remember waking up and looking at the clock on my nightstand. I promptly picked up the phone and called my sister to tell her of my experience. She wanted me to see a head doctor because she didn't believe me. But since that day, I have stopped feeling sorry for myself and my one lung, and I became a member of a church. I also apologized to God for all the names I called him 
when I found out about my cancer. And guess what? Three years ago, I got married. We have no children as of yet. But if that is part of my mission, I trust it will happen when it is supposed to. Thank you for giving me the chance to tell my experience. Thanks, Stuart. I just read this about angels. Guardian angels are celestial beings who embody boundless love and unwavering devotion. They are ethereal messengers of the divine, sent to guide and protect us. Their love for us knows no bounds, for they witness our triumphs and sorrows, our joys and struggles. With compassionate hearts, they watch over us, gently nudging us towards our highest potential. In their presence, we are cherished, for their love transcends time and space. They are our celestial companions, forever embracing us in their wings of love, reminding us that we are never alone. I'm sure as you grew up, you probably heard that even if you're unhappy, you put a smile on your face for 30 seconds and it'll make you happy. What if we consider acting as if we have a guardian angel by our side, one that listens, one that loves us, one that we can talk to? Do you think that might make a difference in life? Let's go to the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. 
Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's producer Tom, and you're right where you need to be. This is the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren. And now, here's more Shades of the Afterlife. Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. I thought it'd be nice to add some words from our resident friend in the afterlife about angels. This question was asked earlier this year on one of the Fridays with trans medium and friend Scott Milligan. This is the question asked, how do our ancestors and our guardian angels help us resolve our problems here when everything seems lost? Also, how do we know they are listening? Do they stand beside our loved ones who have passed over? Thank you. And here is Mr. Eric's response. Oh, my friend, no one likes to see anyone in distress. Some people in your world do take pleasures of it, but we do not like to see any distress upon you. If you would allow me to tell a little thought before we go for the throat of the question. Yes, please. When one has child or see child or family, you will do everything you can for that child, would you not? If that is the case, why would we deny you any support? We will give all that we can within the natural law natural law is that your choice. We can only support and influence if it is within the accordance of the natural law. Now, my friend, one found a slight amusement when many people call us many names, and one calls gatekeeper, influencer, Friend, specter, guardian angel that can give an idea that we are adorned with wings and halo. 
if that is what you wish for, then it can be granted in our world. I myself believe that I did the Christian values and therefore I should be adorned with the locks of hair, hoop of halo, wings. When I came to this side of life, everything I thought was going to greet me wasn't. Besides the tremendous amount of love, I still look over my left shoulder and I see nothing. It is just something heavy for me to carry upon my back. I am a friend. And that brings me enjoyment when someone says you are my friend. But I am far from an angel. For me, children are angels. The children can become mischievous. They can become little devils. But it pleases them may not please others, but we stand with you, praying for the best for you. The outcome may not be what you dream or hope for. You may seem it to be punishment, but speak to your soul about that. It is the soul's experience. It is how one reacts to it. But we will not stand and point and laugh while you are miserable, in pain or suffering. We will come and try to uplift you, for you to see beyond the mists of sadness there is the great horizon. But it must seem darkest before the crack of dawn. We will not abandon you. You may abandon us, but we will not do, because we love you too much. Call us what you wish, and we will respond to it. I have been charged to teach the link, and sometimes my teachings may seem to be an irritation. He once acted inappropriately, demanding and throw his toys out of his pram. And I said, young man, you're acting like a child. Would you like me to treat you like a child? He said something which would cut many to the quick, but I stood my ground and said, if that is your wish. And I withdrew from him. I took away the toy. He soon started to realize that the world was too silent and started to beg and plead. I simply watched. His family surrounded him, but he said, I want him instead. So when I returned to him, he understood in accordance to represent us accordingly, he must remain humble. That was a lesson, or should I say that was an opportunity to know how much we mean to each other. So we stand with you. We may not be able to react with you. 
While we're with Mr. Eric, someone had asked him a question about the nature of time. And seeing as both stories about the near-death experiences had to do with no time in the afterlife, I thought it might be interesting to hear his words about time. Time is man-made and man is flawed, but it helps one to locate situations, understand events. But one must accept now that you are a slave to time. If one is to go to a stream as it flows fast, you put your hand in it. You are touching now, constantly changing, because you are constantly touching it at a different point. If you are to remove your hand and place it back into it, it has moved, but still in the present moment. If you are to grab a stone and throw it in it, you will disrupt it for a moment, and then it will correct itself. You cannot stop it. You can only learn from it by living in now. Time is man-made, as one said, which is now echoed through your being. How often do you all live in the present moment? Or are you constantly thinking of the minutes to come, days to come, months to come? Or are you then turning and reminiscing of the past and saying, if only? So is time really the hero of the story or villain? If you like time and like what you are doing, it runs too fast away. If one is sour and sad, and is in great pain, time stops and says, experience me. So, when one is experiencing happiness, true happiness, the soul has stepped forward. If one is experiencing sadness, and time is a villain, then the soul has retracted, and the body is understanding its master. A curious thing, you know. In our world, we talk of the endless sunshine. There is no time for us, and therefore is no chaos, no frustrations. I do not have enough time in a day. We have eternity, which is beyond the hands of time. Was it not said a broken clock can only be right twice a day. Day is full much more than that, you know. But yes, time is the ocean. It ebbs and goes. Time is the rise and fall of the sun. But does the sun truly rise or set, or is it the earth that changes? The earth dance surrounds it, like the moving of the hands of the clock. So, my friend, time itself must repeat and must continue after you yourself have experienced all that time has to offer and the body is no more. 
you come to our side of life and you can have rest and recuperation if you wish. But our time is when the spirit knows. It will then change into new vibration. Is that pleasing for you? Yes, Eric. Thank you for your wisdom. Isn't it interesting that one will say that? Your question was said in less than a minute. My answer was over five. Interesting how one sees this. Questions are over quicker than answers. Or am I leading you to a greater question? One can only judge for oneself. I've known Mr. Eric and his medium, Scott Milligan, for over seven years now. And just last week, Scott stayed with my mom and I for the week. And interesting, I was imagining Mr. Eric standing with Scott and realizing as I may be in awe of a medium that has learned to quiet their mind and have the spirit world work through them. I know that we each have those standing by our side. And like it was said in the beginning with the news that has come out from New York University, we cannot access all knowledge. But as the brain shuts down, the brakes are off. People get to experience their loved ones, their angels. I don't think it would hurt to practice quieting that mind and be open to get a little taste of the world beyond. If you'd like to come join me on an event with Scott Milligan or our free Sunday gathering, go to wedontdie.com. In closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. Thank you so much for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. 
Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.